Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Digital Missiology Podcast here at ORU, and I am absolutely stoked because uh, not only are students coming back to ORU, we have our student leaders coming back this week, we're training, um, but also I have an amazing guest on here. Uh, Jimmy Shaw is in the house. Well, not really in the house, in the virtual house, and uh, he is here, and he's going to talk to us today, and we're going to have a conversation about um, building endurance as a leader. And, and we'll talk about the importance of that in a second. But um, I want, I want uh, Jimmy to be able to talk a little bit about um, context of, of, Jimmy, who you are, um, what you've been doing. You have such a cool life story, what you get to do in the missions world, but also in your personal life. Um, you are a runner extraordinaire, so I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, you're a Thunder fan, a fellow Thunder fan here in Oklahoma, so shout out to the Thunder and talk about That's that. But Jimmy, I, I'm so honored that you're on here. Um, for those of you that don't know, Jimmy and I uh, go back years because of missions and outreach. Um, Jimmy uh, has yelled at me a few times out at Camp Lockeridge for ropes in the best way possible. I encourage <laughs> it. I need it. I'm challenged by it. Um, but you know, Jim, for those who don't know, Jimmy's been an incredible support to ORU missions. Um, I, he's probably touched hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ORU mission students that have come through the program. Not because he's so great and not because we're trying to put him on a pedestal, but honestly, because he's used by God and it makes a difference in the lives of students. So if you know Jimmy Shaw, you know he's the real deal. And the reason I wanted you on here, Jimmy, is because I know you hold no punches. You go for the juggernaut and uh, you're extremely biblical pastoral at the same time. So <laughs> thanks for jumping on, man. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that's a lot, you know. Yep, I, exactly. I just wanted to overwhelm you with how awesome I think you are. But tell us a little bit about who Jimmy Shaw is. Give us some context for, for who you are. Uh, sure, yeah. So I went to school at ORU um, back in the day, which is kind of an interesting thing since my son is now – all my kids starting school today. My my oldest is a senior and looking at colleges, which is a crazy, a crazy thing to think about. Makes me feel nice and old. But <laughs> I went to school back at ORU and uh, – uh, I came to school in 98 and, and God just really like shaped my life through getting involved in international missions at ORU. And that has been like the single most defining part of my life uh, was my involvement in the missions program at ORU. Um, kind of sparked me on a direction that I didn't really understand before. Uh, you know, I came from a small town. I graduated in a class of 22, the smallest in my school's history. Come on. And uh, the people where I come from, first of all, don't go to college. That's one thing. Second of all, uh, definitely don't go to the nations. Mm. And so I had an opportunity to do that. And, uh, you know, I took the seriously, the, the command to go, you know, to the ends of the earth. And, oh. and I've done that now a lot of times. I went on my first uh, mission trip in 99. And uh, that was the first of what has been now something like 170 trips uh, to 50 plus countries. And uh, it's marked my life. So now I lead a ministry called Project Doxa. We help fund and resource people all over the world doing missionary work, some in places we can talk about and some we can't, mm. and uh, which is pretty awesome. Um, and I lead a group now called Disciple Trek as well, uh, which we're taking people on trekking adventures as a means of discipleship and fundraising for missions projects. So that gives us open doors into certain countries that we wouldn't get otherwise. And, uh, and so that's a little bit what we're doing these days. I spent some time as a pastor. I worked for six years at ORU as the missions professor, which was a, a fun season of life. <laughs> And uh, been involved all kinds of places. So, yeah, so that's that's me. I am a Thunder fan. That's true. I'm a Sooner fan as well. 
Yes. Um, as a Sooner fan, I've been a Thunder season ticket holder since the first year. So Let's go. Uh, that was better in years past than it has been the last couple, but that's, uh, <laughs> things are looking up, hopefully. Things are looking up. Let's let's talk about that real quick because I, I love talking to fellow Thunder fans. So everyone listening just has to indulge us for the next 60 seconds. What's your take on this year? What are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? Obviously, this is not a championship run team, but what are you looking forward to? You know, I'm excited about being bad by not on purpose. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, a, you know, like this team is young, and so they're just going to be not awesome because they're just figuring it out, but they're not bad because we're trying to be bad. So yeah. I expect we'll get a good draft pick again at the end of this next year, but we won't be intentionally ben- benching all of our guys to be bad. Yeah. So yeah. Um, they – the young guys are good, man. Some of these young players are really good. I'm super impressed with one of the Jalen Williams guys, the you know that we drafted two on the same night, which was weird. Two guys with the same name. Yep. Um, the the guard one, I like him. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chet's obviously going to be really fun to watch. I really love Giddy. Giddy's a great player. SGA is awesome. So, uh, Dort's still playing really good defense. So I, I think there's a lot of good pieces on the team, and then a lot of random little guys. You know, random guys that that are filling in and stuff, which, you know, who knows what those guys will do, but um, at least it'll be fun to watch this year. Yeah. I'm really excited. I was talking to another Thunder fan earlier on the podcast and I said, my favorite thing to watch this year will be the Giddy and Chet dynamic because of how great they pass, even in summer league, watching them. It just, they already have chemistry. They're already vibing. And so I'm really excited to see the two of them just go back and forth and have a lot of fun on the court. Yeah. Neither of those dudes are lacking in confidence for sure. That's for sure. No, they have you know, no problem in that. Yeah, so that's that. That'll be exciting, and they're both good players, good young players. With uh, you know, I like smart guys on the on the court. You know, guys who can pass, guys who see mm-hmm. the game a little bit. That's that's how I kind of played for a long time. Yeah, you know, so you can kind of play above your skill level when you're that way. And those guys are skilled, so yeah. uh, I, I like to watch those guys play. I think they're going to be a lot of fun, and who knows, they might be frisky, and uh, <laughs> they might not be. They they might. Still be trying to figure that stuff out. So the West is going to be pretty brutal. There's a lot of really good teams, and I think it maybe is. only, maybe only the Thunder and I don't know, maybe the Spurs. And if the, and if if the, you know, if the Jazz go ahead and move yep. off of, of somebody, then they could they could be in the bottom. Otherwise, everybody else is trying to make the playoffs. So it should be an interesting time. Exactly. You, you could be trying and now and still be bad. So that's oh amazing. yeah, exactly. My hope is a playing game, even if they don't win the playing game, just to make it to the playing game. Kind of set a little playoff anticipation. That would be that would be a dream. That would well, be I tell you, you know, the having been a fan from the beginning, you know, they overachieved the one year when they made the playoffs, and then took the Lakers to six games, which, you know, that was crazy. You know, I mean, they they really had no business making the playoffs. They certainly yeah. didn't have any business beating the Lakers twice. That yeah. team with Kobe and Powell and those guys were really good. And so, mm-hmm. you know, everybody kind of knew then. Hey, these young guys, there's there's maybe something to them. And so that was a fun run. We, I don't think we're a year away from there, but who knows. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fun time. I'm excited. Yeah. Like you said, uh, even if we are bad, we're not trying to be. So we're going to have a good time. On yeah. The court. Trying to be bad was terrible. It's also terrible <laughs> as you're the person who's trying to sell your season tickets. But that's yes. a especially for the season ticket holders. Man. Uh, same in the sports mindset then. I'd love to ask you too about kind of these uh, adventure treks that you're taking around the world. You're big into hiking and mountains and climbing. Like, Tell me a little bit about like where did that come from for sure. you? And like, tell me how that discipleship piece fits into that as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I would love to do that. You know, honestly, what's one of the interesting things, I was an athlete in high school, you know, but that's a lot of years ago. And then I kind of drifted like a lot of people do, got in not in really great shape and uh, put on some extra weight. That tends to happen. 
And uh, I was in Japan in 2018 with uh, another ORU missions guy, and I was introducing him to some different missionary contacts, and then I was spending some time with my then-college roommate, uh, a roommate who was my college roommate, and spend some time with him now. He lives in Japan, has lived there since we graduated, and he had run a marathon the day before we were hanging out, and he asked me, he said, hey, man, let's go take a little hike. I need to stretch my legs, whatever, and I thought, yeah, how hard could it be the dude ran a marathon the day before? It was like a mile, and he almost killed me. <laughs> and uh, and I was so out of shape at the end of 2018 that uh, we went to dinner that night. I'll never forget this. He didn't say anything to me, like he didn't shame me, but he kind of looked at me with like, "Man, is my friend still in there? Yeah. Somewhere is the athlete right. I knew once in there?" Right. And, and it really sparked a thing in me on that long flight home, and you've had plenty of those flights. And uh, you know, I was somewhere over the Pacific, and I was really feeling challenged. Like the Lord was really pushing me, saying, "You know, I think you're just playing it safe." Mm. and uh, in, in your life and you know you look at a lot of the things I was doing traveling around the world and things and not everybody would say oh you're playing it safe but I was living on my resume a bit I had a lot of stuff in my past not a lot of stuff in my future I felt my mm. passions waning mm. and uh, I was talking a lot about the things I used to do and not a lot about the things that I had in front of me and, 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 wow. and I'm not like the youngest guy but I'm not old enough to be doing that and uh, and so I really felt challenged that I needed to like pick up something again. And when I was in college, when I was at ORU, I remember telling everybody I was going to climb Kilimanjaro, right? Mm. And because uh, you know normal people can climb this mountain, so I thought I'm right. going to do this. But if you had asked me in those years about then, I, I would have told you it's it's just past. I'm too out of shape, too old, too whatever. Mm. And and I felt like the Lord kind of revived this dream to me. And so I came home on the way home, and I thought, how am I going to tell this to my wife? I'm going to go climb Kilimanjaro. And so. I kind of made a plan in my head, seemed like reasonable. So I told her, I said, Beth, I, I'm going to climb Kilimanjaro in a year. Right now, I obviously can't climb Kilimanjaro. I'm going to make a plan to climb Kili. I said, but I won't go to the mountain if I haven't run a marathon. I won't run a marathon unless I run a couple halves. And today, I will sign up for a half marathon six months from now, and I will train. In worst case scenario, I'm just going to be out the money for the half marathon. Yeah. And, uh, and she said, fine. I said, but if I get through the half marathon, I'll run a full. And if I run wow. the full, I'm going to the mountain. And if I go to the mountain, who knows what's coming? Yeah. And that started a thing for me. So on, on my son's birthday, uh, his birthday is in early January. So in, on his birthday in 2019, I gave him uh, for his birthday uh, a, a, an entry to a Tough Mudder race and told him, we're going to train for a Tough Mudder together, and I'm going to run a half marathon this summer. Mm. And he said, but, Dad, you don't run. I was like, yeah, but I'm going to start today. And so I went and I said, I'll just go run a mile. But it turned out I didn't have the cap capability of running a mile. I could only run like a tenth of a mile. Mm. So I got out and uh, I, I, I created a pretty quick plan and realized I'm not going to be able to run like this. So I, I started with doing nine minutes walking, one minute jog, mm. 30 minutes, three times a week. And they just slowly built from there. Um, wow. Embarrassingly slow, incremental progress. Mm. Um, you know, and, uh, and after a while I got where I could, could walk five minutes and jog one. And, and then I got to 40 minutes a, a day and then it went from three days a week to four days a week and then to five days a week. And then it went from, you know, two minutes jogging or two minutes walking, one minute jog. And I, and I did my first half marathon in April, 2019, uh, in the Oklahoma city marathon. I got a I was a little ahead of schedule. So I went and did it. I jogged it two and a half minutes of jogging, one and a half minute walking. I came across the line at 2.28.50, hmm. and uh, that was my first half marathon, so April 2019. I've run the half marathon distance every single month since then. Wow. Either in training or in a 
in a race. And so somewhere along the line, I decided I wanted to do a half marathon or farther in every state, 26 states in, mm. you know, and uh, I, I ran my first full marathon that fall in, in Tulsa, the Route 66, and then went to Kilimanjaro in January 2020, right before the pandemic. Wow. Um, and so in the process of doing that stuff, I realized that there was something about getting people out of their comfort zone. You know, we take people on mission trips all the time, you know that. And there's a part of that that we don't always talk about, but it's just really good for the people who go. Mm-hmm. And it's good for the people where we go. I'm, I'm a proponent of short-term missions, you know that. I help support and, and care for short-term missions for a million reasons. I don't think people go long if they don't go short. I think there's a lot of projects that can be done in short-term missions that are helpful. Yeah. But also in the process of that, some of that is good for the people who go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we realized that that plus the component of needing something physical to train for, you know, we've got a lot of 40 year old dudes, 50 year old dudes who are sitting behind desks and, uh, and they're working 60 hour weeks. They haven't done anything physical in a really long time. And they're working 60 hour weeks for an extra two days at Disney mm-hmm. and, uh, and they needed something. And mm-hmm. so we started disciple track to give them something, yeah, something they could train for something they could put their, their hand to. They could get outside. They could believe in themselves again. They could see that God could sustain them in this way. And there's the benefit of the team dynamic and discipleship. Yeah. And it helped us raise money for missions projects. And some yeah. of the places where we work, we needed a legitimate business in those places. And that's mm-hmm. what we did. So, yeah. uh, you know, oh. we got a lot of work in India and Nepal. We're hiking in the Himalayas a lot. I'll be there in three weeks. And, uh, you know, these are places that don't necessarily want Christian brothers and sisters mm-hmm. moving around the country. Mm-hmm. but they need the revenue from trekking teams. And so we're doing it. And so yeah. in throughout the middle East and some other places. So, so yeah. that's kind of the heart behind this situation. And, uh, and we really found favor doing this. We've taken people up Mount Whitney. We take another team up Kilimanjaro. We'll take another wow. team to Kilimanjaro next year over spring break, which anybody wants to join, they can message me. Uh, we'll take a team to, to a big bend national park. We've got a couple's trek. We just did in Colorado up a 14 er Come on. Uh, lots and lots of stuff. Iceland coming, Patagonia coming. We've got a bunch of things like that in that. Come in on. The I love so anyway, that. That's, that's where we are at this point. I think your story is so cool because, you know, it's just starting with what you said, humble beginnings, right? Small incremental progress. And that's really where now you're doing these things like it's normal. Like this is your life. But I know. rewind. And that was something that you were like, nah, I couldn't do that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, you know, if you spoke to me four years ago, you know, I mean, I was invested in missions projects, but this is an idea that was like so far fetched. I mean, it was mm-hmm. crazy. It would be like taking on a whole new career, mm-hmm. but it's become normal for me now. And I've seen many, many, many people, you know, I probably have more opportunities to share the gospel running with people and training them for marathons and these kind mm-hmm. of things. And then taking them on the, on the trail than I ever had doing so many other things. And I speak wow. in churches, which I love to do. And that's a great opportunity for me. Wow. But, uh, but this is a thing, like it meets people where they are, especially yeah. during the pandemic where you've got all these people who are sedentary, stuck indoors, sitting on a computer, mm-hmm. they need something. Yep. And, uh, and so this now, you know, and, and all of that, it, it, like I sense God's favor, I, I have like a, a great mission strategy with this. But the truth is like, I don't know if I would have emotionally handled the last couple of years if I wasn't training. Mm-hmm. And uh, for my own discipleship, I just needed it. Yeah. And now it's, now it's a part of who I am. I don't, I don't question anymore, you know, like going to run, do this, that. it's just what I do. Now. Yep. And, it's and, just what and you I, do. Love it. I love it because your, uh, your Instagram reflects it. I think, uh, yeah. about every post, if not every other is uh, running photos and running progress, but it's just a reflection of like transformation, like and well, who you I mean, are. It's funny because somebody said you take more, uh, more selfie pictures than like a 14 year old girl at a beaver concert. <laughs> 
but uh, you know, I don't. I uh, honest truth, man. Honest truth. My social media is for me and for my kids. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know people are seeing it, and I know people are doing that stuff, and I know people. Some people are over it, but honestly, mm-hmm. I just do it for me because every year I'm gonna look back and I'm gonna see the memories of some of this stuff, and I'm gonna see the progress. And mm-hmm. it's just my, it's just my training journal. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm writing my thoughts as I'm thinking about this kind of stuff. If it's a blessing to people, it is, if it's not, it's not, I don't care. Yep. You know, like it, 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 I do it because I need to record it for me. And and that's mm-hmm. a weird thing. I know that's not everybody's social media strategy, but that's where I've been. And so I post yeah. all kinds of pictures as a reminder for myself. And then a year yep. from now, when I see that, Hey, look what I did. I was capable of doing a thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that may seem silly to some people, but I needed it. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I love that. And I think even in your story, there's so many great ties that I think I really want to pull out because I think a lot of people that you and I both know when it comes to their leadership journey, when it comes to following Jesus, um, that endurance is often a word that no one wants to talk about, but it's a word that um, is vital, not just for the health of someone following Jesus or of leadership, but for long-term health, someone that's going to look and have vision. I love the creative aspects that came out of your, of your uh, testimony, of your life story, but also just the really practical things. So let me ask you just a couple questions about that. And then you just sure. tie it directly into leadership. Cause I think it's, it's so easy, but the, the first thing that I think when I, when I hear your story about running was you started with that slow progress, right? So I think in a lot of ways, when we talk about following Jesus or trying to, to be transformed in the likeness of Jesus, we see what we sh- where we should be and wh- where we could be, but yeah. we look at where we are and it's like, that's a huge gap. Like, I don't, I don't think I could ever be that or get to that level. What would you say to people that maybe feel that way when they're looking at their own lives? Well, I think that that's true. You know, I think you look at us some places and, and, uh, and, and we want to have like the tension between big, audacious, God-honoring goals and practical, pragmatic, this is my life and this is my mm-hmm. next step. And so, you know, we tell people as a runner, run the mile you're in. You can only run the mile you're in. In a marathon, you know, if you're, if you're looking at your watch, when I did the Ironman, you'd start looking at your watch and you start seeing like you're counting, counting your miles early, you're in real yeah. trouble. Yeah. You know, so on my watch, when I'm running, all I can see on my, on my thing is the current mile. I'm looking at the current mile split, my current. So like I have like three, three things that I'm seeing all the time when I'm running and that's how much time is elapsed on this mile? How much further do I have in this mile? And what is my average pace for this mile? Mm. And then when I finish this mile, it starts again. Wow. So sometimes I don't know. I mean, I can check, I can move some buttons around and I can figure out where I'm at, but there are days when I'm running where I'm only thinking about this mile mm. and, uh, and, and because it doesn't help me. To, yeah. to think about like, oh gosh, I'm in my four. When I get to my 20, I'm going to be dying. That's not the yeah. issue. I got to yeah. run my four as my four. Yeah. And I think for some people, they just need, they just need an ability to believe that something different is possible. And That's if they scary. would take a step, enough of those things will, will add up. And so we yeah. desperately overestimate what we can do in a day or a week or a month and underestimate what we can do in a year or five or 10. Wow. Wow. And, uh, and so like you will be a different person five years from now. You will be. But the question of which kind of different person you will be determines is, is determined by what you do on a day-to-day. Can you handle the routines that, that make you a different person? Yeah. And so if you can believe that, like what I think for some people is they just need a first mile. Mm. You know, and the weirdest part about running specifically is that no one enjoys the first mile. Mm-mm. No one. Mm-mm. And I still haven't got to the point where that I enjoy the first mile most days. Um, but most people aren't fit enough to run fast farther than one mile. And so they mm. think running is terrible. Yeah. And so many things in life are like this. 
you know, weirdly, I know it sounds weird for somebody who doesn't run, but if I'm going to run, if I run two miles, I might as well run seven. It's the same fatigue for mm. you, mm. you know, but that first mile is still bad. Yeah. You know, and so what I think about and what I tell my kids who run with me sometimes, my daughter runs, one of my daughters runs, and I always tell her that, that the Jimmy I meet at mile one is a killer runner, but I got to yeah. get to him. Mm-hmm. So I only have to discipline myself to get to the first guy. Yeah. to the first mile because the me yeah. that meets me there on the other side of that stuff he likes to run he's good at running he's warmed mm. up and ready that's good you know and yeah. so you know for when i first got started i did this weird thing okay i had these uh these long stupid like shin length like compression socks mm. and they were weird colored and whatever and so what i would do is i'd put the socks on because i wouldn't go anywhere else but to run with the except with the socks on mm-hmm. and the real discipline was like i just got to put the stupid socks on if I put the socks on, I'm going to be feel silly taking them right back off. Yeah. And I only put those things on. I'm not going in public with the things on. I mean, yeah. I do occasionally when I travel just to embarrass my wife. But, like, the that's a different story. But, like, I put the things on so that I would get on the trail and I would go run. Right. And now I don't have to do that stuff. I know I'm going to go run. When we're done here, I'm going to go run. I, I know that's a part of my routine. It's a part yeah. of my, you know, an hour of uh, most of my days. Yeah, absolutely. But, but in the beginning, it was like, can I do something to get me on yeah. the first mile? Yeah. And I think that's the biggest issue. The biggest hurdle is mile one for people is they don't mm-hmm. believe they can do that or or they don't endure long enough yeah. um, to, to get to the point where they're actually going to thrive on some of these things. Yeah. No, and it's that way with good. studying the Bible. It's that yeah. way with any discipline like that you have in your life. And yeah. areas in my life, I know that I have some areas like I was telling you before that I'm working on some discipline issues in my life about mm. other other whole areas. I know I just have to get through the initial routine. Right, right. And I think maybe something you could give advice to to young people on is so we talked about goals, right? And you talked about, man, you had a mountain goal where you're like, here's my big goal. And then yeah, you had yeah. daily goals. So in the context of reading scripture, in the context of um, growing in your communication skills in the context of leading your team project. Like how, how does someone evaluate what kind of goals they should be setting? Like, how do you do that? How do you challenge leaders to think about goals? Yeah. So I employ a thing I call progressive horizons, <laughs> you know, like I, I want to take on the, the small hills that are in front of me that I can manage that I can handle. Mm. And from the summit of those hills, I'm going to take on some next goals. Mm. And so like when people ask me a lot, like, 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 uh, well, what talked to me about Kilimanjaro, like initially I wasn't thinking about Kilimanjaro. I knew it was in the back of my mind, but I was like, that first thing is I've got to get where I can run five miles. Mm-hmm. If I can mm-hmm. run five miles, then I can, then I can get to myself in my head that I can think, okay, if a guy who can run five miles can probably run 10. Yeah. And then when I could get to 10, I was like, I'm confident I'm going to get a half marathon done. And from the, from the vantage point of the guy who finishes a half marathon, he can, took, he can look at a full marathon. Right, right. And, and I knew that the me that was going to get across the line of the, of the finish line of a full marathon was ready mm. to take on some mountain goals. And yeah. so, like, you know, people ask me even now, like, how, how high is the goal? And I was like, I'm, you know, right now what I know I'm going to do, I've got some mountain goals and stuff that are coming in January. We can talk about it later if you want. But, but like, beyond that, I don't know what's coming. Mm. I know I'm going to get to that, that situation. Yeah. So I think there's a part of this that you say, like, I want to have a big, audacious, crazy goal, mm-hmm. but you've got to break some of that stuff down into more yeah. bite-sized pieces and then see if that's a direction you want to go. Because it might be that you're headed north, but not all the way north. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you think about it like, uh, you know, like navigating 
like a drive from Tulsa to Chicago, you know, like you head this direction, but you might not head all the way there. It might be that the Lord kind of turns you in St. Louis and you head east, you know? And so like, there's a part of this situation that's saying like, I want to be incremental. I want to have big goals. I want to push towards them. Um, but, but I also want to give myself grace to the fact that like the present version of me maybe doesn't have the clearest picture of what the next goals will be. Right. And, uh, and so I think I got myself in a little bit of trouble early in my twenties because I had these really ambitious goals, um, that really wasn't part of God's full plan for me. And mm. I didn't know it then. And I wouldn't let go. Right. And, uh, and I was like, no, but it has to be this way because I had this vision of the future when I was 20, that was going to be like this. <laughs> and, uh, and that got me in some real trouble, you know? Mm. And yeah. so instead of just saying, all right, I'm going to take this on, we're going to see where the Lord's favor is. We're going to follow yeah. him through this. We're going to keep pushing. Yeah. I, I just didn't do it that way. And, uh, and, and so I just kind of banged my head against the wall a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that is a big dominant factor when it comes to working with Gen Z, um, and you and I have both run into this <clears throat> for better or for worse is the idea of stewarding mental and emotional health. Sure. And there's extremes on both sides of those things, but it's a real conversation. It's a real focusing point, even at ropes course for our yeah. mission students, you know, they come into man, they're crossing thresholds in their emotions or in their mental state of, can I push past this? Is this a, a green light challenge by choice moment? Or is this a moment I'm out, I'm quitting. This is too much. Um, and I think even with running, working out, doing sports, you, 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 you meet those thresholds of, Hey, like you said, like the one mile Jimmy and the two mile Jimmy, two different people, but there's a mo mental and emotional aspect of getting there. So I guess when you, when you, I guess, challenging young people, how do you gauge that? You know, when someone says, oh, this is hard for me emotionally, or this is hard for me mentally. So how do you push past that? When do you know how to push past that? Yeah, say? I think that's a very interesting question. Uh, I think about it like this, right? So every time I get on an airplane and every time you get on an airplane, there are people who have never flown before and they're terrified. Mm -hmm. Their fear is not rational, but it's valid for them. Mm -hmm. And so like it's valid in the sense that like it actually affects them, mm -hmm. you know, but is it really based in any kind of reality? Not really. It's not like, like you're much more dangerous, obviously driving to the airport than flying, but right. like, but people don't know that until they know that. And so you're, you're dealing with like valid concerns emotionally and mentally for people um, that are valid, even if not completely rational. And so I think coaching mm -hmm. people through that process is, is tough because you know, you have a capacity more than what you understand. I have a capacity more than what I've ever exhausted. I have got to the end of myself as a, as an athlete twice. Okay. Like once, um, I got to within, I was the first time I did a full half, like a half Ironman training and, and I did stuff. It was during COVID. So we couldn't swim. So instead of doing the swim, we did an extra 5k. So I did a 5k run and then a 56 mile bike ride and then a 13.1 mile run. And when I got Jeez. to within 0.1 of the last thing i was just crossing the jinx bridge i mm. couldn't cross the bridge mm. i got on the bridge and i was done when i got to the other side i couldn't get across the bridge wow. i had to sit down and i thought i'm gonna pass out right here and uh, my family came from the other end of the bridge brought me some water stuff i was at the end mm. i found the end that day and then one time when i did a half ironman two weeks after my full I was in Virginia and it was 95 degrees. And again, it's COVID stuff. So they wouldn't let anybody help anybody, which is a little bit weird. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I was going to collect my bike after, and, and I just blacked out. Like I mm -hmm. got all the way to the end 
and I called for help. I was like, I'm going to need some help. And I, and I kind of came to their splash of water on me and put me in the med tent. I got to the end, but in training, I felt like I got to the end 50 times, but I wasn't at the end. Mm. And I think there's a point where, you know, like knowing that like, Hey, you've got to trust some people in your life who've yeah. walked a little longer than you, yeah. who are going to be able to say to you, like, I'm not pushing you past the threshold that you cannot handle. Mm. Okay. There, there's more here. And I'm here also, if we get to the end, I will rescue you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Like I will not let you go all the way in. And as a father, I deal with this all the time. I'm telling my kids, I was like, I want them to learn the lessons I learned, but without the, the rigorous process that I went through. And I don't know how wow. to deal with that. That's a super wow. big challenge. So I'm telling them, Hey, you got to push a little harder. And they're feeling like, no, they're pushing as hard as they can. And I want to say, no, you're not quite there, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, you know, I remember, uh, you know, not to belittle or, or, or to make light of the difficulties that some of our young people are facing, but I remember when, when I had, we had three kids under three. Okay. So Noah was three, Eden was just born, Ains was in the middle there. And, uh, Beth was like super stressed and, and working really hard and doing this stuff. And we were ministering to all these college students. And one of the college students who was, was taking like 12 hours of class, uh, came and told my wife, I'm just so busy and so stressed. I can't imagine this kind of stuff. And and I was like trying to make sure my wife didn't kill this poor girl because like, like, like I was like, you, you were at the least busy time of your whole life. Right. And it feels though so straining. And so you have to get to this point of understanding, like life may not be merciful to you. Hmm. Okay. So like uh, first rule of mountain climbing is the mountain doesn't care about you. It doesn't care about your emotional well being. Yeah. It doesn't care about any of this kind of stuff. If you're on the mountain in the afternoon, you're in danger of a lightning strike. This is just the reality. You can't be mm -hmm. up there. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. how you – so like there's a part of this stuff that we want to say to people like we care about you. We're with you. We'll walk mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. But also you're not the best gauge of your emotional health. Yeah. You're not yeah. the best gauge of your stress situation. I live in a house. My grandmother lives with us. She's 90. All right? So like she's talking about like legitimately living through the depression. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Living through world war two. Mm. Okay. So like, this is the world that she grew up in. Like she's talking about her parents in like buggies, like pre predating cars. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And yeah. so like coming into this world that we live in now. And, and so in my house, we have 90 to 13 or 90 to 14. Now, like it's a super, like occasionally our, the younger folks in my house have to have perspective that's given to them by somebody who's gone a long way. So, yeah. so I think the question you're asking, I think is like, Okay, how do we how do we handle these the fact that these people have like legitimate they're stressed they're fa facing stuff is valid for them, but mm -hmm. also be able to say to them, hey man, we've gone this way a little longer than you. Mm. You gotta trust us. Yeah. We're not gonna we're not gonna crush you here. We're gonna help you here. Yeah, because your life is not gonna get easier on this yeah. issue, on this score, right? It, it just isn't. If so, I used to tell my students if I uh, if I thought life would be merciful to you, I wouldn't push you this hard. Mm. And and it might be, you know that some of them, their life is merciful. Mm -hmm. Like their, their story does get to be a little bit like not so bumpy mm -hmm. and they can survive that. They can weather that, but there's no guarantee of that. Yeah. And if you're going to guarantee that you're going to be successful, you're going to mm -hmm. have to deal with some of this level of endurance on your own. Absolutely. And I think what you said there is really key and I don't want people to miss it. And it's the fact that you have to have community around you. This is not yeah. a solo race. And even when you were talking about 
how you trained. You talk about these wilderness treks all throughout it. You've had people in your story. This was never the Jimmy Shaw show. It was, Hey, I need help. I need people to train me. Even that very first experience that you had in Japan, it was with another guy who was saying like, you know, he didn't even have to say anything. Just yeah. you being around him challenged you to become the guy that you are now. And it can yeah. be traced back to iron sharpening iron, being around someone else. And even you throwing in the factor of you need to be around people that are older than you more experienced than you can't just be your friends. It has to be people that, Hey, who can speak into your life and say things that, you know, your friends can't, who, who's the grandma in your life? Who's the father in your life? Who are the people that are going to challenge you, push you, not break you, but get you to that point of, Hey, I'm going to push you. So who are those type of people that you think young people need? Like who's the type of people that every young person needs to have in their life? No, that, I think that's a great question. I think you know you go through these seasons of your life, right? And if you're in crisis, you either are reaching out to somebody in the moment or you're struggling. Mm -hmm. And if you're not in crisis, that's the time, that part where it's dangerous because in those moments you have to be building those relationships for the moment of the crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's this funny. Uh, I'll, I'll get to your question specific, but mm -hmm. there's this uh, interesting thing. I watched the British Open a few years ago, and they played at this. Uh, at this one course, I forget which course it is, but it's on the rotation of the British Open, and they play. It's on the water, and the water's called the Firth of Clyde, right? And out here in the water, there's this big, giant rock, and it's called the Elsa Craig, you know? And so, like, what they say about the Craig, because it's in Scotland, right? It's raining all the time. They, they say, if you can't see the, the Craig, it's raining. If you, if you can see the Craig, it's about to rain, <laughs> Mm. <laughs> and I thought that was such a powerful way to think about a lot of stuff. So like sometimes you are you are dealing with an endurance challenge or you are about to endure with in, in, in encounter an endurance challenge. Mm. And so in that circumstance, I think you have to look and say like this is the sunny weather of my life. I've got to be building these relationships for the hard wow. times. Wow. And, and so you ask like what kind of relationships you have. You have to have some peers, right? That's part of it. But peers don't get to define things in your life. Mm. You know, not unless they have like the perspective of somebody who would be who, who had gone a little bit further ahead. And so you need people that you're pulling along. You need people that are helping you, people you can bounce some ideas off of. And, you know, age doesn't equate wisdom, but lack mm -hmm. of age probably equates a little bit of lack of wisdom on some sure. issues. Sure. And you need some people who are older than you. Yep. And you need to have them in your life because they've just lived longer than you. And mm -hmm. that's enough. Yeah, you know, in, in that way. And so like you do find people who are wise beyond their years and you run mm -hmm. with some of those folks and it, maybe you're one of the like 10% of people who get to have one or two like super awesome friends that journey with you from 18 to 50. Mm -hmm. How cool would that be? I was not one of those guys, yeah. but like I, I, I know people who have had those kind of close, tight, God honoring relationships. I've been a yeah. little bit envious of them at times. Yeah. Um, and so it might be that you have to like fight for some relationships with somebody to pour into your life. When I came to ORU uh, as a freshman, I looked around campus because I was kind of bewildered, lost. And I looked around, I said, who are the people who I most respect mm. after the first semester? And they were all people that were involved with missions, mm. honestly, at that time. And maybe it's the same now, maybe it's not. I know, but that was the situation. And so I started going to these guys' rooms and knocking on their door and telling them, hey, man, you don't know me. I'm a freshman, but we're going to be friends. <laughs> And, uh, and they're like, oh, geez, the freshman kid, he won't leave me alone. But I was like, I, I got to hang out with somebody, you know, and you guys are awesome. I just want to be around. Mm -hmm. Some of those guys kind of took me in. Some of them kind of blew me off, but like some of them took me in and it was life changing for me. Yeah. Come on. I'd you love know? for you to. So I, think, I think there's a part of that of people realizing like, hey, have a look around. Mm -hmm. You have to be proactive. I don't care 
if you if you're like like the, you want to the shoot straight part of that whole deal is some of those people will reject you some of those people are are who they are because they don't have time for you yes yes not everybody is in that way mm -hmm. and many of them who like really are solid they can take a little bit of time and they will if you make a case mm -hmm. if you're persistent right right and that's what i was about to ask you on the practical side because we just talked we had a, a previous really um episode where we talked about how to really approach um, mentors, people that you look up to, people that you need in your life that are older, that are more experienced, they can kind of do that for you. Like talk to a young person because I get asked this question all the time. How do you, how do you go up to somebody that maybe you don't have any relationship with, whether it be a senior, it could be a staff member here at RU, it could be a pastor at a local church. It could be someone that you've never talked to before in your life, but you know, you can reach out, you can ask them to go to coffee. Like, how do you, how do you have that conversation for sure. the bold? Not everyone has the boldness that a Jimmy Shaw has. How does someone just walk up to somebody so, and ask? Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, I think that, I think there's a, there's a part of that that is self-selecting though. You know, mm -hmm. like, like the worry is like, oh, this person will not have time for me or they won't be able to do anything. Like when you get to the point in your life in all areas, okay. Where you understand that the worst thing that can happen is someone say no. And like that just happens. And then you move yep. on. Yep. Like then you ask, you know, you ask all the time. You, yep. you, you go and you say, hey, man, I, you don't know me. I'd love to get to know you. Do you have time for this? Mm. What I found is many of these leaders, they don't get asked that. Yeah. You yeah. know, like honestly, like I have people that ask me this stuff occasionally, but it's pretty rare. For and sure. for the most part, I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll find a time to get coffee with you and sit down yeah. with you. Maybe we will not have like the world's greatest relationship, but like I'm, I'm down yep. to have a conversation. And, uh, you know, and but – like if you're going to do that stuff, you can't be wasting somebody's time. And so mm -hmm. I think the issue is like if you if you want to go ask somebody some questions about some stuff, write some questions down. Let's go. Say it. You know, like write a couple of them down and say, hey, I want to ask you three questions, something just let you speak to my life, something yeah. like this. And some of those things develop into more significant relationships. And mm -hmm. some of those things you're going to have to fight for more than they're going to fight for because yeah. that's the way it works. Yep. Yep, you know, absolutely. And, and I'm still dealing with that. Like we've got lots of people we'd love to see that have lots of resources that we'd love to see invest more in some of our kingdom projects. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're getting people like me all the time talking to them about stuff. And so I want to go. I want to ask them specific what they're what they're doing. I don't want to waste their time. Mm -hmm. I'm going to buy their lunch. I'm going to buy mm -hmm. their coffee. I'm going to do whatever I have to do about that situation. Even when I didn't have very much money, this is one of those things that I'm going to spend my money on. Yes. You know. Yes. And so. So those relationships are important. That's a key thing. If you can't get that, you can read, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, so you can at least get some books, listen to yeah. some podcasts, do that stuff. Yeah. That stuff is not that expensive. Yep. And uh, when I was, when I was a student at ORU, my primary expenditure was books. Yeah. You know, I was just reading all the time. Yeah. You know, cause I was, I had this like profound revelation that there are smart people in the world and they wrote stuff down and I could read it and be mm -hmm. smart. It was mm -hmm. awesome. Yep. That's so good. And I think when you look at books, podcasts, buying somebody coffee, you know, Hey, it's going to cost you, you know, $15 max to buy yourself a coffee and your guy a coffee. And you're going to sit down for 30 minutes. You're going to talk. What is the potential ROI on that conversation? Even, you know, he could say no, but he could also say yes. And what is the ROI on your leadership, on your relationship with Jesus, on your growth? Because you look at those conversations and a lot of people think like, what would happen if they say no, that's so embarrassing, whatever. But what would happen if they say yes? And what yeah. would happen if you get on the other side of that conversation? You're like, my whole life is, man, that was an incredible conversation. And maybe it becomes a mentor that's there for years. Maybe it was a one-time conversation that leads to even more 
growth yep. and confidence and, 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 and becoming who you're supposed to be. So I think I, I love challenging people. You're the second person on this podcast. Actually, I think the third person to say, Hey, go into that conversation, buy them coffee and bring questions, like write down questions that you want to have prepared. I want young people to get this because so many people I talk to on a college campus where they're supposed to be learning. They're like, it's so hard. I can't find anyone. No one will do it. And I'm like, who have you asked? No one. It's just, it's too hard. And I'm like, no, do it. Trust me. I know people that do it and it changes their life. It's incredible. It really, I mean, there's a lot of simple things that, that people can get and that will change their life. If you are, I mean, the, the truth is if, if you don't ever get over the fear of rejection, you might as well just park because you're not going anywhere. I mean, that's just reality. Like oh. you are going to be rejected some. I get rejected all the time. Yeah. You know? I was like this like skittish. I mean, even as it relates to relationships, right? I was like terrified of women. I was terrified of people. I was afraid of all this kind of stuff. Like if I had to go back, man, I'd have been like the most confident dude in the world. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, oh, she rejected me. It's fine. That happens. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, it's, you know, I, I want to hang out with you. It's flattery a bit. Right. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I would be proactive. I would go find the people who have Come been on. successful. I would find the people who have done the things I want to do. And I would, you know, not nag them, but like, Hey, I would love to, I would love to have a minute. I would love to do stuff. And then when I get those opportunities, I want to be ready. Mm -hmm. I don't waste somebody's time. And even a question that sounds dumb in the moment, like if someone's thought it through and they prepared like people who are good leaders, very rarely are you going to get like completely shut down from this stuff. They're going to say, all right, this guy's taking in some time. Yep. This guy's taking some time to ask me a couple of questions. I'm going to be thoughtful and, and maybe mm -hmm. I only have 30 minutes to hang, but that's yep. what I'm going to give you. And maybe we can do this again another time or, yep. you know, write me some questions. Like sometimes I'll tell guys, I was like, Hey, like just, just write some stuff send it to me. When I get a chance, I'll write some stuff back. It yep. might not be a month from now, but, I'll, yep. I'll, I'll see what I can do about that situation. And, and I think that stuff really matters, but you have to get over the fact of you're just going to get rejected. So mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you know, in every season of your life, every situation, mm -hmm. like yep. that's fine. That's People so do all the time. Mm -hmm. That's so good. And I think if you're going to be in leadership, you can't be afraid of rejection because it may not be the person you asked to coffee, but it may be the person you're trying to lead. And they say, no, you're a terrible leader or no, this is, this is awful. Yeah. Or no, you're doing things the wrong. And you know, rejection is just a part of leading. Like life, man. <laughs> honestly, if you don't have any rejection, you're probably not doing anything hard enough. Like you need to go on the front lines of doing real things. So, well, it's true. Rejection and you just have real. to, you know, and it's, it's tough to say to somebody who who's in the midst of stuff and say, just like get over it. But like, there's a part of this that you just gotta get through that. Okay. You get thumped a little. That's just part of it. Yep. Absolutely. You know? That's good. And, uh, let me, yeah. let me kind of land the plane a little bit. I want to ask you one more question. And then, uh, if you want to give any more, uh, invitations to join any of your tracks, feel free. But I guess to the, to the young leader who's, who's preparing, you know, a lot of our audience is young twenties that are listening. Um, they want to do awesome things for God. They, they feel giftings and callings on their life. They feel passionate about things. Um, but there's some intimidation of the world around them. There's a lot of things in the news. There's a lot of things in their path. There's maybe even things from their past that are nagging on them. Like what is your, what is your, uh, what is pastor Jimmy's uh, pastoral encouragement to them as they kind of look to the future and look to what God has for them? How do they continue to rely on God in this area sure. of endurance? Yeah, I think I think so much of it is just about taking the long road. Mm -hmm. You know, that you you know, when I on my very first mission team, 
we bought these t-shirts, these team shirts, and uh, and and it wasn't really my idea, but it was a cool shirt. But uh, it, it had our team name on the front, and then on the back, it said "Best Summer of Our Lives," hmm. right? And and I came home from that, and I said, I really hope not. Mm-hmm. I really hope that I really hope that I didn't peak at twenty. Wow. You know, I really hope that I have some good summers coming. Yeah. Good seasons coming. And and I had for whatever reason the wherewithal and the wisdom from some other people that realized like, hey, it's okay. Like you can have good ones and bad ones. Yeah. You can keep going forward. And and so I I would say to somebody, take the long road. Mm. You know, you don't want your twenties to be the best season of your life. Yeah. Um and a lot of people that's that's kinda how they are. They're like, you know, it's it's my youth, it's this time, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it and then and then they they don't have anything to show for it. You know, I really feel like in some ways. I mean, I'll be I'll be forty two in a couple of weeks. I really feel like I'm just now stepping into to, to like what God's purpose was for my life. And not that the last two decades were a waste because I put a lot of energy into a lot of things that, that are good. Some of them I was successful at. Some of them I failed at. Some of them I was like kind of successful at and failed at still. Yeah. And uh, and, it, and you know just kept going. And it's not to say I won't fail at some stuff now, but I feel like in some ways. You know, it, it's a preparation for where I've been. You know, th- yeah. these seasons have been a preparation for now. And so I would say to yeah. somebody younger, like, you don't have to hit these goals in 20s. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, you're not going to be like at the apex of all this stuff at 25. Right. Don't judge yourself against some future version of yourself. Like, just, just stay the course, be steady, yep. Yep. you know, listen to people who've done this a long time. And, uh, you know, surround yourself with people who walk with Jesus some decades. Yeah. Um, because the truth is like, you know, the enemy is patient Mm. and, uh, it seems not all the time, but like, you know, you, you can drift, you can deal with some attrition, you can deal with all this kind of stuff. Stay with people who've been walking with the Lord a long time. They're going to encourage you. They're going to help you have stable situations. You know, like I said, I've got, I've got all four of my kids or all three of my kids are in high school now. Mm. So it's a weird dynamic, you know, to know that we're on the clock with them at the house yeah. We're trying to like send them off in the best way we know how and parent yeah. them the best way we know how, which is a huge challenge in these days. Mm-hmm. But, you know, our hope in that circumstance is that they can see um, that this is what it looks like to have an enduring marriage. This is what it looks yeah. like to have people who walk with the Lord for multiple generations. And so what I tell my kids is I'm telling, telling them to live in such a way that your grandparent, that your grandkids are going to be thinking about this and following mm-hmm. wow. Think about Think about the generations, the legacy, that kind of stuff coming behind you not just like right now. And I think if you can get that long-term perspective about some of the stuff, it will just give you more peace of mind because you're mm-hmm. not up against the clock. Like I got to be here at 22. I got to be here at 28. I've got to, yeah. not that you don't have goals, right? Cause I had plenty, some I hit and some I didn't, but just take a breath and keep going. Because if you do that stuff, you're going to realize like today's crises are just going to be like Facebook memories tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like some of these crises are like, like, We'll move past this, mm-hmm. you know, and we've done it before, and yeah. we'll, we'll do it the same before. So, I just think for so many of these guys, just take the longer road. Yeah, that's good. That's a good encouragement from Pastor Jimmy today. Um, thank you so much, Jimmy, for coming on and sharing your wisdom. I think there's just so much, and I love getting. I I, I usually don't say older voices. I say more experienced voices hey, on the podcast. It's, it's all thinning <laughs> out up here, anyways. It's fine. Nice yeah. gray beard. Come on, got got the beard going, look strong, you know? And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, investing into our young leaders today um, and inspiring them, even 
if it's uh, health and fitness and jumping on some mountains with you. So be sure to, I'll put, I'll put your info in the, in the description below. So if you guys want to check out maybe some, some treks, get on some adventures or just go see Jimmy's Instagram and be inspired by his running and say, Oh, if he can do it, I can do it too. I can do it too. <laughs> well, you know, Hey, like I know you're wrapping it up, but the, honestly, one of the craziest things, the one of the weirdest things I had people who watched me from the beginning of my transformation running. And in the beginning, they would be like, oh, this is great. Look, fat guy runs a little. This is nice. And, uh, you know, and they were a little bit like, okay, all right. This is inspiring stuff. Yeah. The switch flipped so fast for some of these people from, oh, this is inspiring to, oh, I could never. Mm, and I was like, wow. you guys, you didn't meet me as this guy who did. You watched me go from couch to Kilimanjaro to Ironman to, to now Akintagwa and some other places. You watched the whole thing. You were with me on the whole thing, and now you're giving me the I could never. Wow. Man, you've got to lose that stuff from your vocabulary. Wow. You know, and so I tell my kids all the time, right? You can't yet. Mm. Right? Yet is the word. You can work yourself through some of these kind of circumstances. So, yep. you know. You, you can believe that God can change your life. You can take yep. steps and, and, and see these transformations in your life. I'm not some perfect whatever. I've got all kinds of growth that I need to do. I need to drop some more pounds. I'm working on some other stuff. This is all important stuff for me. I'm mm -hmm. still in that process. But but like it was amazing to me how many times people tell me I could never. Mm. And and I was like, you guys, you, you totally can't. Yep. You can't today. Yep. Maybe not tomorrow even, but yep. soon. Yep. I love that. The not yet. Yep. Not yet. You can't right now. Let's be realistic, but there's a yet. Yes. There's a yet in there. That's awesome. Yeah. Jimmy, thank you so much. And thank you for everyone that's listening to the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it and we will see you on the next episode.